Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planning churches. You're about to hear a message that was preached live from one of our recent church services. We hope that you'll open your heart to hear the Holy Spirit speaking directly through this message. Stay tuned after the message for information on how to get connected with us. Thanks again, and enjoy today's message. People have come up with about going back in time, one of the famous ones, of course, Back to the Future with Marty McFly. And the reality that is portrayed in those films is the thought that if you go back and you change one little thing uh, 40 years ago, that it has profound effects on the present reality. I got a uh, a little picture I'd like Jay Lee to show back there. And... This came across my feed in the past week and got my mind thinking in this direction. And it says these words, if you went back in time, you could change everything with one small action. I think that's what we feel when we think about time that's passed by. But there's also a hopeful thought here, which is that means you can change everything today. There's a saying that goes, when's the best time to plant a tree? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. What's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. In that same thought, before we get to our scripture, I want to show you one more picture about Ben and Joey. This is in the financial arena. Ben and Joey are two guys who became serious about investing for the time of retirement. They picked out good stock mutual funds that average an annual rate of, it's in the, it's in the messages, an average annual return of about 11%. That's a pretty uh, reasonable expectation. So these two guys, Ben and Joey, the first one named Ben, you'll see an image here in just a moment, who started investing at age 21. And he decided to invest $2,400 per year. Now, break that down. What does that mean? $2,400 per year, that means, uh, that means $200 per month. Break that down a little more, that's $50 a week. Some people spend that much on Starbucks. Okay, $50 per week consistently throughout the year. That means $2,400 per year. He started this at age 21. How many of you are under age 21 here this morning? Let me see your hand. I'm about to make you a millionaire if you listen to this. Just remember your pastor when you become a millionaire. So here's Ben who started investing at age 21, $50 a week, and he only invested for nine years, age 21 to 30. That is a total amount invested of $21,600. Everybody with me so far? uh, For only nine years, $2,400 a year, that's $21,600. And he's done at age 30. Let's talk about the second young man. His name is Joey. Joey is not as disciplined as Ben. So uh, he is, through his 20s, he's spending every dollar that he has. But at age 30, he gets himself uh, serious, and he starts doing exactly like his friend Ben. He said, wow, I see Ben's doing okay. I'm going to do like Ben did, and he starts 
investing $50 a week, same amount, $2,400 every year. And instead of stopping after nine years like Ben did, Joey was faithful. And he keeps doing this for 60, uh, 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 until he's age 67. That means a total of 37 years. Remember, Ben only invested for nine years. Joey, he does this consistently for 37 years. The total that he contributed in those 37 years is $88,800. Now, here's my question for you. Ben or Joey, at age 67, which one has more money in their mutual fund account? The first one, Ben does. How is that possible? That's called compounding interest. The difference in their savings accounts, Ben, his, his investment has grown to over $2.1 million. Joey only has $1.2 million. Because Ben started earlier, it got, got him an extra million dollars. Now, that makes you want to go back in time, doesn't it? What a fool I was. If I would have only put away 50 bucks a week for nine years between ages 20 and 30, woo, by age 67, that could be a couple of million dollars. And that's what we feel when we look back at time that's gone by. But I don't want this message this morning to be a message of regret. We can either feel sorrow for the loss of time and get depressed and anxious about the future. What's better to do is say, what can I do today? How can our lives change in one year from now, five years from now, or 20 years from now, if I would make a course correction on this day? So this is a message that I've titled Time Machine Living. And let's read from the book of Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at an account from the life of the Apostle Paul. Join me there. Acts 20, verse 18. When they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Verse 26, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Time machine living. 
if you want a subtitle, How to Live Without Regret. Let's pray. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. I'm praying, God, that you would pour out your spirit on this service today. Help us to see, Lord, the possibilities, the opportunities that are before us in the next coming year. Lord, and in the years to come, with the time that you would give to us, Lord, we don't take it for granted this morning. But, Lord, every day is a precious gift from you. Let us use it well. As we look back on the year that was past, Lord, help us to recognize patterns and habits that have steered us the wrong direction so that we can make a course correction today. We thank you, Lord, for the power of making righteous decisions and how those can impact our future. We give you glory for all you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. This, what we find in this scripture today, we find some keys to living without regret. The reason I'm calling this time machine living <clears throat> is what if you had the power to jump into a time machine and visit yourself in one year? What if you could visit yourself one year from now if Jesus doesn't come back, but the world still continues on in the course that it's going? Don't you wish you could tell yourself a few things? Don't you wish? Uh, similarly, you could go back and tell yourself to start putting 50 bucks away every week. Don't you wish you could, uh, you could, you could give yourself some insight to living? Well, I want to, I want to preach this message today in the view of that there are decisions that you can make today. There are things that you can do today that will no doubt have a profound effect on who you are one year from now, five years from now, and if the Lord does not return, 25 years from now, and when your uh, hair falls out, and when your beard goes gray, and when your gut pops out, and when things happen as they do in life, you know, the thing that young people don't understand is that we older people, we were once young too. I know it's hard to believe. But we were once where you are. And, you, you know, you, it's a different world now. We recognize that. But we felt all the same things at those ages. And this is why so many people speak to young people the way that they do. Get your act together. It's not because we don't like you. It's because we made some mistakes along the way. And in yelling at young people, we're actually yelling at ourselves from 20 years ago or 30 years ago. How do we live a life with no regrets? This is, again, this is not intended to, to spark uh, anxiety or depression in you. This is meant to spark a hope of how you could change your life today so that your life in one year or five years from now would be greatly blessed. Number one, a life of no regret starts with right living. What Paul is speaking about in this scripture, he is speaking about how he has been faithful to do God's will for his life. If you want to understand a life of no regret, it starts here. You're going to make up your mind to do the will of God to do what God has set before you. And that's very different from doing the things that you want to do. The will of God is different than your will. 
that was a great place to say amen. The will of God is different than your will. And Paul is making some uh, statements here about what he has been doing. In verse 18, he says, he says that, uh, excuse me, he, he went to, uh, they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. He, ha- he is making the statement, my life has been examined. You have seen how I live. My life has been examined by God. He said, I have examined my own life. And you all know, you have observed me. My life has been in public. You have seen the way that, that I live, the decisions that I make, the actions that I take. He's saying, my life is in view of God. It's also uh, examined by myself, and it's observed by others. That is so different than many people today who want to live anonymous. I don't want nobody to see. Nobody needs to know my business. Uh, no, no pastor needs to, to see what's going on with me. It's just me and the Lord. And what Paul is saying, he, he's running away from that idea. He's saying, I don't want my life to be anonymous. I want my life to be examined by God, examined by myself. I need to take stock from time to time. And also to be able to say, you all can see how I live. You all can see the way I speak, the way I uh, make decisions, the way I spend my money. And he's able to say to these believers, you have observed my life. Can I tell you that is a great way to live? Because when you live your life in view of other righteous people, in fellowship and in community, This is where we find accountability. This is where we can look back on our life and say, you know what? I didn't do a lot of stupid things in 2023. Thank God. Because I'm living as an example to other people. Can you say that this morning? If you want to make 2024 a better year than 2023, then a great way to start that is put your life in view of someone you care about someone who looks up to you, someone that you can lead the way. The second thing Paul mentions here is living as the servant of God. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, even through tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Paul's life was not perfect by any stretch. He went through some stuff. He was persecuted from city to city. In fact, many times he was, they, they tried to kill him. They tried to, tried to throw stones at him till he died. They tried to uh, kick him out of cities and stop him from ministering. But he's saying, through all of those difficult things, I know that I was faithful to the will of God for my life. Living without regrets, secondly, means serving God. Is this, is this too complicated for us this morning? It means when we come to the juncture in life, am I going to do my will or am I going to do God's will? That we have a commitment to ourselves, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's unpopular, even if I don't know how it's going to turn out, even if it means I have to spend money, even if it means I have to spend time, I'm going to do God's will. Do you have that commitment? 
Many times the greatest mistakes that we make in our lives is in those moments of decision. Do I do my will or do I do God's will? We say, "Uh, you know, I'm just going to do the comfortable thing here. The third thing Paul mentions is humility and compassion. Living right, living without regrets means being able to admit when you made a mistake. How many know it's easy for us to remember in our memory the best version of ourselves? You know what that means? That means the version of you that you remember of 20 years ago is probably not reality. You remember the best things that happened. And the, the tendency is that we try to file away or push away all of the foolish things that we did. Right? Because we're, we're proud of the good things that happened and we're ashamed of the bad things. And the reality of human nature is we push away those painful memories of the past. So Paul says... If we want to live right, it means we have to be humble. We have to be compassionate. The fourth thing he mentions here in verse 20, he says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Right living means not living for self. But encouraging and helping other people to help them grow. You know, some of the most unhealthy Spiritually unhealthy people are those who are focused only on self. And that is so easy to do in this generation because it's such a me-focused generation. All we, we try to do on, on social media is to get l- likes and clicks, and we want to go viral. This girl came into our shop, uh, our computer shop last week, and she, she gave us a $50 tip. Whoa, $50, that's a big tip for a computer guy. What happened? Well, she brought her computer in to get fixed, and she was able to recover an old video of herself. It was a hilarious video. She, it's a little like a selfie video of her singing some Taylor Swift song when she was 12 years old. And so she recorded herself watching that old video. She was cracking up, ah, ha, 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 watching herself sing this old song. She posted that on TikTok. It went viral. She got like... Two and a half million views in one week. She made $2,000. And she was so grateful that she wanted to come in and give us a tip. But see, for most people, that's like the pinnacle of their life. I went viral. A whole lot of people saw me doing something stupid. And the problem with that, it's so me-focused. It's, it has helped nobody except to cause a giggle. Paul says, I look back on the the last few years and weeks of my life, and he says, I know that there are people in the audience, he says, I know that you are better off because of a few things that I said and did and my prayers that I prayed, and you know I've encouraged you, I've helped you. Can, Can you look back on 2023 and point to anybody that you've encouraged? Anybody that you've helped to get into the will of God? Anybody that you've helped to do something unselfish? This is a great way to live without regrets. The last thing Paul says in verse 21, he says, I was testifying to Jews and to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes 
living right means speaking the truth even when it hurts. Paul says, I was willing to confront my people, the Jewish people. I was willing to confront the Gentiles as well, the believers, the unbelievers. He says, I was faithful to speak what God gave to me. Doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, right? We don't need Christians going around being jerks to everybody, trying to fill the place of the Holy Spirit. That's foolish because we are neither holy nor a spirit. But when the Holy Spirit does fill us, gives us words to speak to people, we cannot hold them back. And Paul says, I know, looking back on the last year of my life, in this account, he says, I know that I spoke the way God asked me to speak, even when it was difficult sometimes. <clears throat> and so this is the, this is the, uh, the, the way that we can be a time machine for ourselves. The way that we can invest in the version of you one year from now, five years from now, if we maybe look at the past year of our life and notice that some of these things are missing, well, that's hopeful. Because the Bible says we can change our lives today. We can make decisions here in this place. We can recognize where we lack humility. We can recognize where we've been selfish and we have forgotten about others around us. We can recognize uh, that I've kept the truth to myself and when I needed to speak. And, and I can live as the servant of God instead of the servant of self. I can make those decisions today. Now, we might be living in regret. Sometimes, as mentioned, we can look back on the mistakes of the past and think, oh, what a fool I was. And you can, you can allow those things to consume you if you're not careful. Or you can make up your mind, I'm not going to continue in this way. Everybody here used GPS, right? You know what it's like to use GPS. Everybody's got the, the, the nagging little voice dinging in your ear when you're driving. And, you know, sometimes you think you know a better way. I, when I'm driving long distances, I've told you this before, I like to use this app called Wise because this, this Wise app, if maybe you're familiar with it, it's a GPS app. And what it does is it's looking down the road at other people who are using the same app and it can make predictions if there's a slowdown in the traffic up ahead, it can actually divert you. So there's been a couple of times I'm using this app, driving down the freeway, no problem. I-95 to Florida, this happened to me. And, you know, you can go 80, 90 miles an hour. I'm not, I'm, I'm not encouraging you to break the law. But I'm saying 95 is pretty smooth sailing down to Florida. And you can be going really fast, and, and then all of a sudden, the little voice from the GPS app, please exit the freeway at the next opportunity. And you're looking at the road like, what's the problem? I see nothing here. Everything's good. Smooth sailing. And then you pass the exit that it told you to get off at. And all of a sudden you see it. All the red lights. Oh, no. Bumper to bumper. It's a stop. Not a slowdown. It's a stop. And then you're looking at yourself. You idiot. You, the, the GPS told you to get off. 
and you didn't do it. Well, guess what? I've learned from my mistakes. When the Wise app tells me to get off the freeway, you know what I do? I get off the freeway because the Wise app can see things that I don't see. The Wise app is aware of things that I'm not aware of. And you know what? The Wise app, as good as it is, is not perfect. There have been a few times the Wise app has taken me off in the wrong direction. But what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit is a lot better than the Wise app. And if you live for God for any amount of time, you better figure out when the Holy Spirit is telling you to divert, telling you, uh, don't, don't, don't speak that way. Don't say those words to your wife, to your children, to your spouse, to your boss. Are you idiot? Are you foolish? And then we say, ha, they can handle it. Ha, you blah, 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 blah. Destroying things with our tongue. Hello? Destroying relationships. Destroying people. And then, and then we, 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 we get in the prayer room and God starts like, <clears throat> hey, you remember when I told you not to say those things? Yeah. What are you going to do next time? I'm not going to do it again. Well, we, we need to learn from our mistakes, correct? That's what Christian maturity looks like. Christian maturity means I'm going to get through 2024 with fewer regrets than I created in 2023. How about that? Wouldn't that, wouldn't the 2024 version of you be better off if you simply obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit a little bit more? Regrets are created when we are unwilling to follow God's path. Look at what Paul goes on to say, and then we're going to close. Verse 25. He says, indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, you will see my face no more. Paul is predicting his life is going to end pretty soon. And it was. His ministry was coming to an end. His effectiveness was coming to an end. And he is taking into stock the way that he has lived for God in front of other people. Verse 26, he says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul is grateful that when it came time to speak up for God, that he spoke up. Paul is grateful that the blood of innocent men is not on his conscience. He said, I could have spoken or I could have failed to speak when God told me to speak. And that guilt would have been upon me. I, I, I wonder how Paul came to this conviction. I wonder if there was times early on in Paul's salvation when God gave him a word to speak, when God told him to witness to that person, and he didn't do it. You know, that can be the greatest teacher in all of life, is when God tells you to do something, you fail to do it, and you feel it. That feeling of failing God and failing others is perhaps the greatest teacher because I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to experience that again. I want to be faithful. There's a story of uh, Billy Graham. Everybody knows Billy Graham, right? He wrote an autobiography called Just As I Am. It's a powerful, powerful 
uh, book if you ever get a chance to read it. But in this autobiography, he tells a story about a conversation that he had with President John F. Kennedy shortly after his election, 1960. On the way back to the Kennedy House, the president-elect stopped the car. This is Billy Graham speaking. The president-elect stopped the car and turned to me. He asked, do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? I most certainly do, Billy said. Well, does my church believe it? He said they have it in their creeds, but they don't preach it. They don't tell us much about it. John F. Kennedy was a Roman Catholic. And he said to Billy Graham, I'd like to know what you think about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy said, I explained what the Bible said about Christ coming, by the, coming the first time, dying on the cross, raising from the dead, then promising that he would come back again. Only then, I said, are we going to have permanent world peace? The president at the time said, very interesting. We'll have to talk more about that someday. And he continued driving. He said, several years later, the two met again at the 1963 National Prayer Breakfast. Graham remembered, I had the flu at the time. After I gave my short talk and he gave his, we walked out of the hotel to his car together, as was our custom. At the curb, he turned to me, John F. Kennedy, turned to Billy Graham, and he said, Billy, could you ride back to the White House with me? I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Billy Graham said, Mr. President, I'm not feeling well. I've got a fever now. Not only am I weak, but I don't want to give you what I have. Could we wait and talk some other time? It was a cold, snowy day. Billy says I was freezing as I stood there without my coat. And the president said, of course, of course, we'll wait for another time. But Billy remembers, he recalls, it was 1963. And the two would never meet again. Later that year, Kennedy was shot dead. He was assassinated in Texas. And Graham comments about this situation that he remembers so clearly. His hesitation at the car door, his request, haunts me to this day. What was on his mind? Should I have gone with him? It was a moment that I could never recover. If you ever want to understand why a person like Billy Graham was so bold with his faith, no doubt it's because of moments like that. I never want to feel that way again. This is him writing in, uh, I think it was in 2005 that he wrote this book. He's remembering 50, 50, 60 years before with such clarity. Because he knows in that moment, I failed. I don't want to live with that regret. And so now every time the opportunity came to speak to a president, you know, he was faithful. They called Billy Graham the evangelist of presidents. He was able to build friendships and and to counsel and pray with presidents in the White House for many, many years. Where did that come from? From a failure in 1963. I want to tell you this morning that if you've had some of those moments in your life in the last year, my encouragement to you today is don't ignore them. Don't sugarcoat them. Embrace them and say, God, change me so I don't make that mistake again. It's time to move forward in God. 
right living today is the closest thing that you have to a time machine. When you live right today, when you take on the example of the Apostle Paul, I'm going to live in view of others. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. That means that your 2025, 26, 27 can look different than it did in the past. Imagine a plane that takes off from LAX, Los Angeles, and the destination is Washington, D.C. Now, that plane can fly in a straight line across the United States. But let's imagine 10 minutes after takeoff that the, the pilot is not paying attention and the, and the destination, the course, the plane veers off the destination by only 1%. A 1% deviation in heading. How far do you think that that would take him off course when you multiply it by the distance of the United States? You would think that, oh, maybe he gets to, uh, maybe he gets to Baltimore instead of D.C. You would be incorrect. Only 1% deviation would take him to New York City instead of D.C. That's a lot of difference, isn't it? By only 1% change. So that is, that is something that as we think about it, that can work for our benefit or it can work against us. See, my encouragement to you today, some people hear a message like this and they say, I need to change everything about my life next week. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day for an hour a day. I'm going to start praying for two hours. And they take on, they bite off more than they can chew. What I'm asking for you this morning, just 1%. Can your life get 1% different between now and next week? I think probably you could. And that means over the course of time, if you would change 1% next week, and then 1% the following week, and then 1% the week after that, well, then your destination is going to be vastly different. Than, than the destination that you're on track for now. I close with this. My greatest encouragement for people who live with regret, again, what's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. What's the second best time? Today. So what can we put in our lives today that can change our destination? My encouragement is this. Fill your life with things that you will never regret. Fill your life with things that you will never regret. There are a few things you can do in life that you will never regret. Some examples? Nobody is lying on their deathbed facing eternity and thinking, oh man, I wish I would have got that work project done. How stupid. Nobody is lying on their deathbed, wishing, hoping, oh, man, I need to change my tires. I need to rotate. No, nobody thinks about that. What are the things that we think about facing eternity? Fill your life with those things. Fill your life with the things that you'll never regret. I mentioned we have a Bible reading plan. You'll never regret diving into the Word of God. Guarantee you. You will, you will regret diving into Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, name your social media. You'll regret that. 
how many hours do you waste of your life? But you'll never regret meeting with God through his word. So fill your life with it. How about prayer in connection with the word of God? You'll never regret time that you devote in prayer to God. So maybe the 1% course correction for you, Lord, I just need to spend 10 more minutes with you in prayer. That's it, 10 more minutes. Could that course correction have an impact on your life over time? I think it could. How about winning souls? Have you ever had the opportunity to bring someone into the presence of God through your witness? I'll tell you, there is nothing in this life more rewarding than praying with someone for salvation and leading them to Christ. If you want to have a good 2024, find somebody you can invest in and pray for and witness to. Shine your light into their life. There is more joy in heaven over one person who comes to to repentance, right? And if there's joy in heaven, surely there will be some joy in you too. Fill your life with outreach and winning the lost and, and praying for people. Fill your life with increasing investment in the kingdom of God. Investment of time, energy, and resources. Money. You spent money on a lot of things this year. You know what's depressing? Thinking how much money you put into um, fast food. It's a quick meal. You get your blood sugar up, and then it's gone. Right? What if you took all your fast food money and you invested it into world evangelism or into the kingdom? What if you took your, your, your fast food money and you gave it to a, a charity of some kind that is doing good for people? You'll never regret that. Invest in the five F's, your family, your faith, your finances, your friendships, and yes, your fitness. You know, nobody, 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 uh, <laughs> nobody gets physically fit and healthy and trim and, and goes to 95 years old all feeling good and saying, man, I really regret this physical fitness that I have. Nobody does that. Everybody, when, you, when you're physically, when your body feels good, you're grateful, right? That's when you get a little chunky around the midsection. Then you're like, oh, gosh, now. Speaking from experience, now I need to change my life again. Fill your life with the things that you'll never regret. It's simple, right? And the person that you will be one year from now, five years from now, will be a different person than if you stay on your current track. So that's my encouragement for you today. Let's focus in on what God has for us. Let's serve him instead of self. Let's put, live our lives in view of others. And let's fill our lives with things that we won't regret. Let's bow our heads this morning. Close our eyes for just a few moments. I appreciate your attention. I want to encourage you this morning as we come into his house, as we come to the end of this service, that God would speak to us and God would help us. I believe that God has spoken to some people here this morning. God has challenged you. God has encouraged you. You've noticed some things that are missing or need to change. 
we're going to have an, uh, an opportunity here at this altar to pray. God, help me, give me the strength that I need to make a decision which is going to change my life just a little bit. And over the course of time, I believe, God, that you're going to help me be a, a better person, to be more like Christ in 2024. And as we bring the service to a close, I wonder if someone has come into this service today and the truth is you're not right with God. The truth is you're not living for God. The truth is that your religion is no replacement for our relationship with Jesus. And before we do anything else, before we make our decisions and commitments to the Lord for the coming year, maybe the thing you need to do is turn from sin and trust in Jesus. It's not enough to be religious. It's not enough to do good things. The Bible says that all of our good works are like filthy rags before the Lord. What we desperately need is a Savior this morning. And if you be honest in your heart, you say, Pastor, I know that I'm not saved. I'm not on my way to heaven. I know that because there's still a desire in my heart to do evil. I'm not just talking about our normal transgressions or temptations that the devil would lead us. But you know, sinners have the desire to sin. And the saints, those who are saved, even though we're not perfect, we are often led into temptation, but we don't want to go there. And the evidence tonight is what is the want to? When you get into the secret place where nobody's looking, nobody's watching, are you found, you're found wanting to sin? That's the evidence. You're not right with God, but you need to be. God's convicting you here this morning to get your heart right before you leave this place. What a better, what better way could there be to start a new year than to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus and say, I'm, I'm tired of living for me, I'm tired of doing it my way. Lord, I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to turn from my sins and trust you completely. And with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, you'd recognize your need before a holy God. We all come into this world broken and lost. Our default destination is hell, is death. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, be raised from the dead, to overcome the power of our sins and to give us new life. And if you need that new life here this morning, we take this moment. Would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone here, someone else? God's dealing with you, honest hearts. And just a little bit of courage, you'd lift up your hand and say, please pray for me. I'm not right with God, but I need to be. My sin is destroying me. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else being honest with the Lord? For just a moment of time, would you lift up your hand so I can pray with you? I want to believe God for salvation and healing. There is a God who sets the captives free. And he's here this morning, his spirit. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you a new heart and a new life. Is there anyone else? Quickly, you'd lift up your hands with these honest ladies. In Jesus' name, right now, you respond. Is there anyone else? Quickly, quickly, here this morning. Thank you for honest hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. If you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you out of your sins and into a new life with Him, pray this prayer from your heart today. God in heaven, I know I've sinned against you. I've hurt people, I've hurt myself, and I've broken your laws. Today, I turn from my sins as I surrender to your perfect will. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son and that He died and rose again for me. 
I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. May the old things of my past pass away as you make me a new creation. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me strength to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We want to help you live for God. Please join us in person for one of our upcoming church services. We are located in the heart of Virginia Beach at 1045 Linhaven Parkway, about one mile from the Linhaven Mall. Please check the show notes for links to our website and social media. You can also find a link to support this ministry with a generous donation. We would be so grateful. We look forward to sharing future messages here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. In the meantime, we pray that God would strengthen you to serve Him with all your heart.